Greetings all, and welcome back to the Powerhouse Perspective, empowering leaders for business breakthroughs. I am Scott Medeiros, the president of Helmwise. Helmwise is a firm dedicated to helping businesses prepare for and sustain growth. In this episode, my co-host, Chandler Rose, CEO of the Rosewood Family of Companies, and I discuss the origins of Helmwise, and we also introduce a metaphor that we'll use in subsequent episodes to help businesses understand and bring clarity to business challenges. As John C. Maxwell says, the clarity of vision brings clarity of priorities. So hope you enjoy this particular episode of the Powerhouse Perspective. And if you have a topic that you would like us to discuss on future episodes, please send that information to info at helmwise.com. Thank you for listening and enjoy the podcast. Well, good day, everyone. Welcome back to the Powerhouse Perspective with Chandler and Scott. Or, yeah. or Chandler and Scott. I probably should do it that way. A little uh, bit easier for those watching on the YouTube video. Uh, Wouldn't have made sense otherwise. So Excited to be here. So second session as we continue down this path of uh, Rosewood and Helmwise sharing their thoughts on, on business and other areas of life and leadership and things like that. So pretty pumped to sit here with you, Scott, and walk through your ideas on how business, Helmwise, where it can help the world and how it goes from here. Yes, it's it's always great to be talking with you, Chandler. And I think the, the name of our podcast, The Powerhouse Perspective, is pretty good. You come with a wealth of CEO experience. I come from the COO side, and we understand how important it is to have that great partnership between the CEO and the operations side, the COO position. So I think between the two of us, we can cover a lot of landscape that would be very beneficial to our to our listeners. Yeah, I mean, you add to that certainly the size of, of operations uh, from small, very small startup on my side to, you know, a small mid-sized company. And you can speak a little bit to your history of, you know, gigantic Fortune 50 exactly. operations yes. that are global and, and scale and, and deals that are much larger. So certainly bringing, you know, the full spectrum into the conversation, I think, is, is helpful and unique. Agreed. And I think that that spectrum is also going to be important because there are things that I learned or experienced or failed at in large enterprise that can apply to smaller enterprises and medium businesses, and some things that won't work well in small and medium businesses. And likewise, some of the things that we have found in the small and medium enterprise space has a great applicability to larger enterprises because it's much more intimate, the people are much more important, culture is much more important, and if those things can be elevated in some of our larger enterprises, that's going to really going to be a, a a great win for any organization. Well, like life, you know, similar to life, there's such a wide variety of things you'll encounter. There's so much uh, theory in the world of how to do business, how to run, you know, end to end from, you know, acquiring business, launching business to establish businesses, accounting. So such a big area, Helmwise, the name. Let's, yes. let's start there of why the name Helmwise. Yeah, Helmwise is, is it's a unique name, obviously, but it really came together easily once we thought about what we wanted to do as a new consulting entity. So Helm really comes from the helm of a ship, which steers the ship. So providing that guidance to help a business chart that course or steer the course to success. And then wise, that comes from wisdom, right? Learned experience. And so for myself, nearly four decades of, of doing these sort of things, yourself with 15 years of growing companies, passing on that wisdom is also a key element of what we want to do. So the helm, providing some guidance, the wisdom, 
connected together comes up with Helmwise. Yeah, and you know, further that nautical connection, uh, obviously a ton of analogies and yes. metaphors that yes. I throw out and yes. you'll hear throughout this, but um, you know, talk a little bit about your recollection of why you decided to push that as sort of the metaphor, the nautical theme. Yeah, the, the nautical theme has a, a, a connection to myself as well. I think for those who listen to the, the first podcast, understand that I'm a former Marine Corps aviator. If you haven't listened to the, to the first podcast, go back and listen to it. The, but So there is a, an affinity to the sea, right? The Marine Corps is actually part of the Department of the Navy. And I spent a lot of time bouncing, as we call in the aviation term, off of different ships. So understanding what happens with sea states, how important the ship is, both as an oasis when you need fuel, and also something that you know has its own little ecosystem of people and processes and teams and interactions, is a great metaphor for what we go through with business. You know, the environment that's out there is very uncontrollable in the business environment. The economics conditions, all of those sort of things, no different than a sea state. Right. Yes, there are some predictability to it if you're getting an appropriate forecast and maybe you've got the currents of the jet stream that you can predict a little bit. But it doesn't take a whole lot for the sea state to suddenly change. And if you're ca ca caught out there in that, that those conditions without having a good, stable ship, then it could be a difficulty. And the ship could be the business. Right. How have you designed your business? And more importantly, the captain of the ship. And maybe you can talk a little bit about the importance of a captain. Sure. I think I'll, I'll back up to where you and I really, sure. I, I remember we went to a whiteboard and we had had a discussion of, of a business situation that I think uh, got Scott angry, which is, is possible to do coming from his uh, background and training. I call it intense. 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 He became intense. Yes. And so, I, you know, I kept giving this example of, you know, view the business as a ship. These other things that everyone keeps complaining about are like the weather. Yes. There's only so much we can do. We can't control necessarily the economy. We can't control, especially during this current time, you know, the way the Fed is responding, trying to right. cool off inflation, raising rates, changing consumer buying habits, your traditional uh, inputs that may have more predictability in how business will react in construction, retail, across the, you know, banking, all those types of things. They're kind of off the table, have been since yeah. COVID, they have been since. So Scott said, well, what can we do? And I said, well, Scott, we can take this time and drill on the board the hull of a ship. We can decide, do we need to modify the way that ship is built? Yeah. Do we need to create it more for stability, more for speed, more for rough weather? If we think that's the next three to five year you know, picture of what's going to happen. Um, and you really need to decide what type of boat you're in. There is a great um, you know, YouTube set and, and videos on a place called Safe Haven Marine out of Ireland. And I love watching Safe Haven. They take these boats out, and they're specially made, like we're talking about, for the roughest water. Wow. A lot of pilot boats run out to ships. Okay. doesn't matter the sea state, sure. really. Ships coming in. Sure. And they're out punching through 15-foot, 17-foot, 45-knot winds just to test them out. And so it's you know interesting to watch. However, that boat's not made for fishing or cruising. <laughs> you know, And right, so right, you really right. do have to think about it. But the analogies there of... How do you want to build your operation? How do you want to position your company? What kind of environment are you operating in? What can you control? Control what you can control. You can work on your ship. You can figure out when it's safe to go out into the waters, what the mission and operation is going to be of that business. Mm -hmm. How large is the business? 
which certainly is very similar to yeah. displacement in a boat. And so, you know, are you built for speed? Are you built for the long haul of economy? There's a million variables that you can control. Um, what you can't control is the weather. You can get better instrumentation to your point to read the weather, predict the weather, be prepared to respond to it. But um, we spend way too much time um, getting upset and discussing things that we have very little input into and very little ability to predict if it'll occur again. And so I keep trying to draw us back to what is our situation, our vessel, and what are we going to do with it? Right. Yes, I do remember that session. And it, it really served as kind of an aha moment for me, even after many, many years in business, especially as we mentioned in big business. But the way in which you described it suddenly clicked because it was a very simple thing to understand. It was able to, easy to re relate to. It wasn't going through a 500-page you know, book or a textbook and trying to figure out this elaborate process and you know, trying to put all those variables in place, which everything works great on paper. But the way in which you, you explained it really was meaningful to me. And so we thought we'd take that nautical theme and, and ocean and ships and captains and those sort of things as the way in which we describe a lot of our perspectives that you've had as a CEO and myself as more of a COO. You mentioned the word displacement, and, and that immediately kind of brought to my mind that you're right, right? Because businesses leave a wake. They really do. Yep. And the question is, what kind of wake are you leaving? That goes back into reputation. It was what you want to be known in the market. And in some cases, you know, you may not be the appropriate ship to be on the, in those particular conditions. And so you have to maybe even go back into port and retool, find a different big. A ship going back to Josh, you know, we need a bigger boat, yep. um, maybe that sort of situation. So, yeah, I, I think this metaphor of the sea could serve very, very well to help describe some of these more complicated and, in some cases, very simple business uh, techniques, philosophies, and experiences. Yeah, I mean, we, we spoke on it some in the, in the first session of your why being that North Star, certainly yes. setting your BHAG out as your destination, mm -hmm. core values guiding how we're going to operate when on this vessel. Right. We've talked about the vessel itself and, and really that size is similar to the size of, of companies. You know, there's only so yes. much, you can't put a giant motor in a tiny boat. You can, yeah. but you might sink or it won't run right because it won't plane and never run correctly. So that, that certainly does, uh, you know, open a lot of those. Let's move on to the captain. Something that, you know, yes. I know from a recreational fisherman, Yes, you know from truly leading, you know, lots of missions with lots of groups of people as a flight leader and, and instructor for years in aviation, how important is a captain and why do we talk about captains in relation to CEOs or any business leader that's certainly at an executive level uh, or director level or higher? Yeah, I think understanding the role of a, of a captain and all of the responsibilities that person has, both legally as well as just for the care and feeding of their crew, is very important and actually perhaps a, a better term to use when leading a company. Because we tend to think about a CEO as being in this senior position and they have control because of the position, because of the title. But in reality, they're not an owner of the business. If it is a public company, it's the shareholders who are owner of that. But even in a small company, you really are a steward of the business. The business has been placed into your trust because the mission or the why of the company has to deliver a greater purpose. And so you as the steward or the captain of that particular 
a business is it's important that we understand the responsibilities of those things. And a captain on a ship, it's it's pretty easy. It's easier to understand, right? The captain of the ship is responsible for the safety of the people on the ship. And also the vessel itself. And the vessel itself. Exactly right. He's responsible to ensure that his crew is properly trained and that they're prepared for the seas and, and the mission that they're going on. So seeing a owner of a company more as a captain and all those responsibilities, I think, is a better uh, metaphor for truly understanding the responsibilities that that role brings. Yeah, I think it is, you know, imperative to remember is that that captain, you know, you are responsible for reading the sea state. When do we leave port? Which, which route do we, you know, is the head sea still safe or do we need to tack left or right or do we need to go into port again on the way yes. to a final destination? While there, what are we going to do? And, and as we continue to walk down this road of helm-wise and, and kind of the frameworks that, which are very, you know, wide and deep mm -hmm. for you, but certainly we will talk about white caps, talk about the growth of business how we use situations such as now in certain industries because it's going to be you know very disparate the way that the economy reacts so if you're in mortgages right now you're in big trouble um you know it's had a bumpy road for a little bit at least yep. those professionals out west yep. certainly some of the mid-sized and small banks have had a bumpy road lately um, i do believe it'll continue to be very hit and miss of whether or not you're hitting it and what do you do with your crew at the time that you cannot continue forward momentum Wow, and I think that that's that'll be part of when we walk through those white caps and discuss. That'll be hopefully useful to the folks listening, but certainly has guided us and the leaders that are in our family and companies as they they look to this year and the and the coming you know growth and their three to five year plan, their BAG. Yeah, and as I think and think about the crew, think about employees in an organization. Wow, there are a lot of different paths we can go down there, right? So, you know, how do you even get the crew to sign on, right? Oh, yeah. Why should they come to your ship? Why would they want to go on this particular journey? And that goes back into why and those sort of things. And then once you have them on board and you're now out to sea, how do you keep them motivated? How do you keep them focused? How do you deal Don't want with mutinies. Yes, how do you no one in unis exactly? You know, how do you keep them, you know, keep the relationships in place and those sort of things and knowing truly when you need to pull into port because you may need to offload some crew and bring on new members of the crew. Or the leeward side of an island. You just need to kind of pull it in a little bit. Let's, let's, yep. we're not going to a port, but we need to take a little shelter, yeah. analyze where we're going to go and how we're going to go forward and then, and then head back off. And so um, that is certainly the real life of business. Everyone loves the hockey stick. They love the IT yeah. world of the unicorn. They love in their head to think I'm going to start a business and it's some linear line and then all of a sudden it'll take off. Uh, that is extremely, extremely rare. I mean, the real reality is each of, the, each of those white caps as you grow, what made you reach that, that next level, a lot of that causes the problems as you grow. So then you have to go back Yes. Retool, and yep. you, you may see it financial, but certainly your management and keeping your crew on board. Sure, the crew that helped you launch, the crew that got everyone motivated, may not be the crew that once you're in a large growth cycle, or if you're a mature business and you've kind of leveled out. How do you keep the rest of the crew motivated, excited, and what what do you use as your rah rah rallying cry? Right, that certainly changes that sure. galvanizing changes, yeah. and then. Obviously, decline we'll talk about later is another area that is, it is natural. If you're going to run a cycle all the way out, 
you sold, you know, phones. We're looking at a lot of technology around us yeah, right now. Absolutely. Uh, it, you don't want to lose that sales cycle early, but it will end. The next technology, the next fad, the next, you know, end factor, you know, as we know from a lot of the uh, clothing, it'll probably circle back eventually, but uh, you don't want to be providing the same service and product. You need to retool and so there's a natural cycle that we'll spend a lot of time on as we go through these we call seasonality, which overlays, us, of course, with the white caps um, that we will continue to talk about. But I do believe those white caps, the way the, the ocean runs, the way you view your business as the boat or the ship, depending on how bit yes. large it is, how many crew members, how do you feed, how do you care, how do you motivate, um, is an easier way to view a very abstract discussion on business. Um, yes, as you, as you were talking about that, I wrote down here on, on my notes, you know, the journey, right? What sort of journey are you on? Are you on just a day cruise? You're going out just to do some fishing and come back that evening? Or are you going on a long haul? It's a trans-oceanic voyage, right? You're going to need a different crew. You're going to need a different boat. You need better plans. You definitely need a North Star that's going to chart you towards where you're trying to go. Versus, hey, if you're staying within sight of land, it's very safe, it's very easy, and but guess what? You, you're not going to see a whole lot of the world if you stay close to the shore. Well, so, you think of, um, you know, first thing comes to mind on your day trip in business to me are your cornhole, your, your, your companies that launch more of a fad type of mm. super popular. It's a big deal, but it certainly has a finite run on it. Oh, yes, yes. And so you know, like even at the beginning, like that. that that is kind of a short short journey. So are you going to become a long-term company that tries to replicate the next fad, or are you just going to take that short trip out, enjoy what you call, <clears throat> come back in and, and either launch something else, sell it to someone else, or you know, what is your plan there? So that is kind of what popped in my head on that industry is, is really a lot of the fad things you see that run that, sometimes amaze me when people continue to act as if that's a five or seven year map and right. clearly right. you know the next beach season generally brings in the next cool item uh you know pickleball is a hot item now paddleball at one point i mean they run the whole gamut of you know horseshoes even came back for a while on the beach a lot so i just made me think of it continuing down this coastal theme yes it, it, actually when you were saying that that's why, again, I love this sea metaphor because so many things come to mind and are so applicable to, to business. You start, you mentioned seasons a couple of times already. And yeah, your, your business is going to go through different seasons. Really? And, and is it prepared for each of those seasons? I think at one time we had a discussion about you know, having your, your pleasure craft or even your, your fishing boat versus having an icebreaker. Oh, yeah. right? when you're, there are going to be times you need an icebreaker. But you certainly don't want to create or build an icebreaker that you're going to keep down in tropical waters. That makes no sense. No. However, if you understand the season you're going to go to is going to involve you know, some, some sea ice, then yeah, you're going to make sure your, your hull is prepared to go through those, those conditions. And so there's just, again, so many different tentacles we could use in this metaphor when it comes to business. So I think it's going to be a good one for us. Yep. Um, one that we touched on but didn't spend much time is, is the journey itself. Um, yeah. As Scott knows, I spend a lot of time on things that are non-business and, and bring them back to the table when we talk business. Um, and so that journey of life, journey of um, even if you like literature, 
math, science, certainly technology. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you are jumping into an epic, you know, even you being born, were born to parents, a family name, some legacy, a community. Maybe if your family mm -hmm. doesn't have a strong, you're from whatever town. Um, you know, you're from Nashville. You get what everybody thinks of Nashville. Um, whether you like country music or not, that's what you get. Um, and so business is very similar. You do not, rarely do you launch and start from scratch. Even if you do, you are wisely, hopefully, picking a target market that has an established need, mm -hmm. basic supply and demand, need a demand. All right, well, what's driven that demand up for, to now? How much time do you have to launch? Again, if we're in one of these fad type of businesses, yeah. and you're going to spend a whole year doing a marketing and research plan, uh, by the time you nail it down, it may be winter time again. If we're going to stick on the right, combine two of these right. different yeah, there you go uh, analogies. Is you don't do you really want to leave in the winter without your icebreaker? That's probably not a good idea. So time is an interesting thing. Where you are in your journey, we talk about it a lot here. Even with our leadership team, you come in as a new leader in a company. You of course want to make your mark. Um, if you're a Collins follower, you will take your time and really evaluate the land, see what's there. But you also do the history of how it built up to this to get not just the positives, but to get a lot of the things that did not work previously and understand why before you set out. Um, because a lot of times it's, I don't know if set out's even the right word. The boat's already in the water. It's running. You, you got brought in. So right. Maybe Scott flew you in on one of his helicopters from his from his old <laughs> days and dropped you in. And congratulations, this is the boat you have, and That's you've right. got to get there. That's exactly right. And this is the crew you have as well. It is the you crew you have. Well. And then how long can you deal with them? And can they take you to the next destination? And can you upskill them and motivate them? What are your responsibilities with your values that you, mm -hmm. you know, you came into values that were established? So. Well, what, a, what a great insight around that history <laughs> aspect you just mentioned, because you're, you're absolutely right. If you're starting a brand new business, one would say, well, it's, it's a new venture. There is no history. I'm the first in the market. Well, but you're not going to go into business without actually examining what makes a good business. Or, hey, when these sort of conditions, going back to the sea state, existed, how long did they last? Right? So you would look at the historical evidence and information available to you in order to better prepare yourself, your crew, and your ship for this journey you're about to go on. But more importantly, if you are making a trek across a long stretch of ocean and people have done it ahead of you, it would be silly not to learn what they've learned in, in making that journey several times before. So the fact that we don't spend perhaps enough time understanding the history of an organization is, is probably putting a lot of things at risk. We probably should take a step back and say, okay, I'm about to go this way, it is new, but I'm going to review the information that has happened previously in order to prepare, better prepare myself for this journey. So I think it's important that we do that as business owners. That takes uh, a level of humility, Certainly to be willing to acknowledge the things that were done well by predecessors or others that are in the market. Right. Um, it certainly takes some confidence to strike your own, you know, version of that or new, new vision, uh, a willingness to fail, uh, a willingness to yeah, fail okay. and recognize it quickly and admit it. Um, and so we'll, we'll run through a lot of those. I think as we continue down this 
this uh, conversation, but let's jump into your military a little bit. I mean, sure. When you had aviators come in that were obviously mm-hmm. top top marks, mm-hmm. great people, they show up gun, at top gun school, whatever they're at. Mm-hmm. Give me some characteristics that, you know, obviously, like I said, marks are important. We'll, we'll certainly get in some conversations on IQ and meeting the, sure. the required metrics sure. and bar to become a leader versus mm-hmm. emotional intelligence. But give us a little bit of your thoughts, if you would, on just a high-level sketch of when you had maybe a warning flag go off when a, a type of person <laughs> came in to take the helm. Yes. It, one of the earliest warning flags you usually get is perseverance. Uh, military training in general is, is meant to put you through a lot of difficult situations to see both how you're going to react and how you're going to adapt to this new condition, whether that's being sleep deprived, whether it's the physical demands of what you're trying to do. So it's early on that you can filter out those who don't have that tenacity, that perseverance, that intestinal fortitude to get through difficult times. And I think any business that makes the journey is going to go through difficult times. We probably learn more from the failures than we learn from the successes. And, and having a person who can go through a failure and be resilient enough to rebound after that is going to be a key characteristic for any member of the crew. So even in aviation, you're looking for the people who, hey, when things are getting a bit hectic, do they keep their head or are they panicked? Um, I can tell you of a, an aviation story. We were on a mission trying to find this particular uh, uh, airfield. It was at night. We were flying over water along the coast. This was actually over in Japan. And we knew that in Japan, they tend to string power lines between land masses, between islands. And of course, so we're going along and we're, it's at night. We don't have night vision goggles. And we don't know whether or not there are power lines ahead of us. So I had a relatively junior co-pilot who was sitting there. I gave him the map so I could focus on the instruments and the controls. We also had a, another aircraft behind us. And the, the intensity of the situation, what was happening, the weather wasn't as good as we wanted it to be either. He literally was just sitting there with the map. He was frozen. <clears throat> and so understanding those people who are going to have the ability to function in demanding situations is going to be key. That was a very... Uh, obviously isolated case inside of aviation, but within business and when you're analyzing your crew, you got to figure those who are just going to get distracted or they're going to freeze. Let's go back to psychology, flight or flight, was it fight, flight, or freeze? Those are the, well, he froze in this particular situation. Yeah, the neurologists, some of them have thrown another one on phone, which we'll get into a little later. You see it in business a fair amount. We, We won't get too deep to it, but it's when you size up the other leader, you decide they may be superior to you. Okay. And so you come alongside because you know there's a benefit. So you personally oh. don't want to take them on. Okay. You see a too much risk in that activity. And this happens a lot in nature. You see it a lot in chimps and stuff. So that's where they kind of drew it. And then they, they see that work out neurologically in your brain chemicals of getting some of the things you, you know a lot about. But, uh, oxytocin being the herd one. So when sure. you herd up, you can herd up even in that fear moment with someone you think that maybe I don't want to challenge them and the rewards are better than that challenge. So it happens a lot in business. And so we like to say it's cooperation. Uh, I've read recently that <laughs> science has got to show in a lot of that cooperation is not actually cooperation. It's identifying 
that person has superior skill. I can't challenge them. I'm better off to go up and shadow and follow them. Yeah. And so they call that fawning as fawning. opposed to, so uh, it's another survival technique that works. But to your question on, on really you listed a long list of, uh, you know, resilience, um, certainly uh, gratitude. We will talk about yes, gratitude, gratitude resilience through hope and optimism and how to plot that new course yeah. when you see it. Fear um, is one that is usually uh, misunderstood. Certainly in today's time, we talk about wellness and we talk about stress. Um, there is obviously bad stress, but without stress, you don't grow. And there's this opinion that you will not face fear when in reality, the you know clinical psychology and, and a lot of what they're learning in neurologists you don't actually eliminate your fears as you start facing them you become more confident and are willing to you know overcome them if you watch a lot of your special forces guys that are honest have been in battle mm -hmm. they don't stop being afraid Trump. courage is going in the face of the fear yes and so if you're yes. seeking out a situation without stress or without fear and with full certainty and without failure, the odds of you moving uh, probably do go a lot more towards flight or freeze. Um, but, right. Um, so it's a it's an interesting topic that certainly we could spend a, a, a good hour oh, yeah, on, on, on that show one. on. Um, but it plays out well. I think it is a crucial part of picking that leader. What about just a purely, so we, you talked resilience, you talked obviously. Yeah, sort freeze, of tenacity and tenacity, yeah, that sort I of mean, thing. What about far as uh, hubris, hubris or humility and, and arrogance? Honest. Yeah, there, there's a great book by Patrick Lencioni called The Ideal uh, Team Player. And he says the ideal team player has three qualities. Hungry, desire, mm -hmm. right, passion, humble, mm -hmm. right? The ability to admit that in the mistakes, they don't know everything, the bit to ask for help when they need it. And then finally, smart. And when he says smart, he means people smart emotional intelligence, understand the importance of relationships and keeping your emotions in check and the impact of your emotions on others. So I, I would say humility has to be a key component of anyone because it kind of ties into learning and you're not going to learn unless you truly fail. Uh, I mentioned it earlier that you learn more through your failures than through your successes. And you mentioned stress, just like the human body, unless you put it under stress, it doesn't grow. A muscle doesn't grow unless you actually tear it down in many cases, and it rebuilds itself much stronger. You break a bone, and the bone heals stronger. So we need individuals, leaders, and any members of the crew or the team in a business to, to want to undergo stress because it is a prerequisite for growth. And knowing that you're going to be placed on the stress and doing things that you haven't done before, you're going to make mistakes. You are going to fail and have that humility to accept that failure, learn from that failure, and move forward. And so, yes, I think humility is another key characteristic. And obviously communication drives into another topic you have very well read sure. on is, is that humility is one of the best ways to build trust. Yes, exactly so right. give a little bit on, on trust. And obviously there's a lot of well-written books on trust and the yes. importance of that. So. Trust, trust, What you again, we could spend a whole other uh, podcast just on trust. But when it, probably the quickest way to describe it is trust is really broken down into two components, character and competence, right? So you got to be of solid character, good moral values. You've got to be uh, reliable and, and have dependability as part of your character. 
And then there's the competence. And that is all about, well, how good are you doing at what you're going to do? So uh, Stephen Covey's son, Stephen M.R. Covey, wrote a book called Speed of Trust, where he defined that those two characteristics were the important ingredients for trust. And he also spoke to the fact that if you look at getting results, it's usually a business strategy times execution equals results. Well, that equation actually needs to be modified and need to add into it times trust, meaning that you're going to pay a trust tax in your execution if you don't have a decent level of trust in your organization. So the greatest strategy is not going to be executed very well. It's going to be taxed by a lack of trust within your organization. Therefore, it's going to have an impact on your results, obviously a, a detrimental impact to your results. But also trust, and speaking, going back to Packle and Choney, wrote another great book called The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. And he mentioned that the core foundation of building a team is trust. And you've got to have that trust. And trust is really generated through character and competence, but also through vulnerability, right? Willing to say that I am not perfect. And hey, you know, I, I do make mistakes and I do need help at times. And so having that vulnerability is the characteristic of, of helping build trust. But if you don't spend any time building trust with your team, whether it's your senior team or those who are going on the journey with you, then it's going to be very difficult to get any true success because you don't you lack the foundation. Your hull is, is already springing leaks before you, you leave port. So I would say that probably the keel of a, of a boat has to be trust. So the keel of a business mm -hmm. has to be trust. Well, it builds, one, confidence in you. I've given an example around our companies before that when you receive a title or a job, you have met the prerequisites that Scott yeah. talked about even as an instructor in advanced flight. So you are, we expected you to do a great job. How do I know the boundaries and how do I trust you unless you raise your hand when you're overtaxed or you're in an area you don't understand? If you want to go back to the boat, if I have a captain who just says we're going this direction no matter what, doesn't admit when they can't navigate because there's not good vision and we have a chance of running into the rocks. It's why I think diversity of thought is a huge yes. uh, impact as I tell our team, if it's great. Once we arrive at a decision, we want to row in the same direction. That often gets confused with, we're always going to row in the same direction, Correct. which you know I say could easily row you right off a waterfall, right off a cliff. Right. And so it's not, not a sure. good thing. You need to be able to have you know, conflict, of course, you know, I stole from my mom, her favorite, you know, harmony is the enemy of innovation. So when you're in that meeting, you have to be willing to admit things you don't know, mistakes you've made, which gives really the ability for others to take a new step out, admit where they're having trouble, you arrive at a great answer, then you leave the room rowing in the same direction. And so it's an important distinction to, to really use some humility build some trust, model the way to the others in the organization that it's okay to go with an educated, well-founded direction, but completely get it wrong. Right. Well, also, if you haven't established that trust, then individuals don't feel comfortable coming forth when there are problems. Right. Right, because they feel they're going to be executed. Right. They're going to be walking the plank, going back to our, our C metaphor. So trust is important for people to come forward and say, look, I, I made this mistake. And you can take appropriate action to mitigate its impact on the business. If people don't feel they're in a trusting environment, then they're not going to admit those things. It, the situation is going to fester. It's going to get worse. It, 
could now impact not only your clients, perhaps your even the reputation of your business. And so trust is also important so people feel comfortable to admit when they have made a mistake. If they don't feel trusted, if they feel that the senior team is going to uh, execute them upon reporting a negative news, it's not going to go very well. So yes, I agree. I think going back to the keel, that's the I think that's the key part yeah, of the ship, right? The keel of, of your business must be based on trust. It is. That's what they come off of the center part. Yeah. Um, another part of humility, self-reflection. Mm. So I asked a question not long ago of our leadership team. Of, do Are you willing to take the wheel? Yes. Do you want to take the helm of your department or your company and lead that company? Yes. Um, couple of quick yeses which are good spoke to one of the people who did not give a quick yes and challenged them on why they did not speak up because they brought up to me a great point of they did not have an innate which they viewed as arrogant desire to be the captain they felt like they were willing to be the captain because they were in the situation and capable of being successful and so they were happy proud to take the wheel but they weren't seeking fame fortune you know arrogance of i want to be in charge i want the title mm -hmm. um, you have another group that's kind of a third similar group that's probably a little more along the line of you and i of well, we kind of take the approach if we're going to go on this journey and it might crash i would rather take the wheel than let somebody else take it um but then also, you know, certainly you're an enabler. I like to see other leaders come up. And so I would much rather be the Collins type leader that most people don't know their names from good to great, as opposed to the, you know, Lee Coco, you know, I'd say Donald Trump. I mean, there's a long list of, of uh, folks' jobs that they want to be front and center. Um, yeah, the, all the, those the motivation. Are yeah, yeah, they're all capable of being successful. So sure. I don't want to discount that, but I do want to be clear we are uh, much more focused on selfless leadership. What can I do to help others? Willingness to take the wheel, willingness to uh, safeguard and guardian the other people that are on the vessel. So that's why you want the wheel. That's a lot different than wanting to make sure your name's plastered all over the side of the boat. Yes, we're, we're big here at the Rosewood Family Companies on servant leadership, you know, and, and truly the, the the ability of a person to lead, to have that position is an honor. And they have a responsibility to serve and make sure that the organization and the people achieve success. When you talked about perhaps that individual didn't have the desire or felt it was more of a, I'm in the right place at the right time, probably not what I asked for, but I'm a bit reluctant to take it on. Perhaps another characteristic we want in, in the good employees and good leaders is courage. Mm -hmm. Right. So, yes, it may not have been what I have asked for. It may not be what I am seeking. But in this particular point in our journey, they need someone to take the wheel. Right. So I need to have like and I am best positioned, whether it's from experience or education or tenure inside the company. Yes, I'm going to step up to the wheel. And if we built that trust and environment and the crew understands that's the environment we got, then it's not a person by themselves. It's them with a crew around them to help them be successful. So I think another characteristic it has to be courage to take that wheel and, and be willing to fail 
as we talked about earlier. And if, if a person is there and they feel that the, the organization is on the right ship, the ship has been properly prepared, they've got a great North Star that they're following for, when, I mean, what, what safer environment could you be in, I guess? It does raise the bar, though. So you still take a lot of courage. Yeah, well, you, and again, so... Who, you take over a well-running machine. Yeah, who is mediocre? I, 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 I agree with that. That's the courage part, and certainly some self-confidence. Don't want a mistake. That it, it definitely takes self-confidence. But arrogance and uh, selfless kind of a leadership, a stewardship of I want to make it better for the next person, for sure. the employee, for the business itself, which is you know most important because there are no employees and there are no customers and there is nothing for the owner either if you don't actually set the vessel up for success. But you know you can go all the way back to, we spoke with a gentleman yesterday that had a George Washington yes. bust and it was, was more for that personality, not getting into the other you know, social type issues, but I mean, George Washington, if you go learn about them asking him to be king and how reluctant he was to be president, if it truly was for his ego, the whole trajectory of the country would have been sure. dramatic. He would have taken that and oh, yeah. I mean, sat on his certain, throne and everything would have been fine. Been good. Get, sure. his, get his fancy chair and sure. be the next king over here. Right. Um, and so there are good examples and we'll, we'll certainly continue to delve into that learning your history and the application of history and and certainly from the business and the reading and the depth that you bring to the table you should learn that you should learn a lot of the emotional intelligence and psychology we spend a lot of time here on on uh, a wide range of that from goldman to Cialdini mm -hmm. to certainly cues vanessa van edwards on how you yes deal and talk to people another one where competence is one of the two factors That's right competency so warmth, and warmth yeah there you go Exactly right. gives you charisma so we, we hear the competence part is uh, you know is a prerequisite and I think that's the way leadership should see when they reach the bar competence was the requirement to get there now what which is when you do have to switch over into much more the psychology and the exactly most right. intelligence yeah. of how do EQ. I build trust how does my sure. team feel how does my customer sure. feel client feel partners feel that that's a Big change in perspective because you're moving from management, which is get it done, to leadership. So we'll close. Why don't we, you know, maybe close on the difference in that 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 switch from being a great manager, PMP, mm -hmm. to now I actually have to lead. Yes, it's uh, yes. quite a change of uh, responsibility and title, and we. There are tons of books and stories about leaders that were unbelievable at their position, salespeople, operators, that they said, well, of course they would be a great you know, executive or a great leader in a management leadership position. In reality, that attribute is not the same. Yeah, it didn't work out that way. There was <clears throat> early in my career, civilian career, I had a, a leader who described the difference between management and leadership this way. He said, management is doing things right. Leadership is doing the right thing. Now, I don't think he coined that, but it, it made sense to me. And often we think by being productive, being in charge, and getting things done is leadership. And in reality, it's not. It's management. So John Maxwell wrote a book called The Five Levels of Leadership. And level one is what they call 
positional leadership. You're seen as a leader because of your title. And so many people aspire for the title. Uh, they just want the, you know, the VP, they want the president, they want the director title, thinking that that is going to, to designate them as a leader. Well, by title, they may be a leader, and those in their charge may understand that from a reporting structure, that person is my quote-unquote boss. But one of the most insulting things to me, believe it or not, is to be called a boss, right? I'd much rather be called a leader or a partner or a steward or any of those sort of things. Because the, the true next step to get to that level two leadership that John Maxwell would talk about is you have to have permission which means the people beneath you, your direct reports, have chosen to follow you. That's a huge difference. One is being required, you know, obligated to follow you because that's, that's your positional title. The second, having them voluntarily giving per permission truly starts you on the path to leadership. So I would say that a title does not make you a leader. But when others have chosen to follow you because of who you are, what you stand for, what you do for them to set them up for success, the fact that you're not seeking the spotlight, rather you're shining the spotlight to make them successful, then they have now willingly given you position and you're now on your ascension to higher levels of leadership. And that's important, it really is. Because I see it a lot, saw it in big business, seen it a little bit more here in small business is just this pursuit of titles. And that, I don't understand it to be honest with you. Um, John Maxwell also say that a simple definition of leadership is that leadership is influence. So if you have the ability to influence someone, then you are really a leader because that leader is influencing those individuals, charting them on the course to ensure they and the organization achieve success. So whenever I think about leadership, if someone says, I want X title, I automatically say, you, you, then you don't want to be a leader. You're selfish. It goes against the things that we're talking about of being a good steward or being a good servant leader. But a person who is there to help and enable others and to provide guidance and wisdom, helm-wise guidance and wisdom, we're there to help others achieve success. And if we do so, then they can help and enable others to, that they come in contact to achieve success. So it's this pay-it-forward influence. We influence our, our clients with our knowledge and experience they go out and influence their employees with their knowledge and experience and they go influence their clients with knowledge and experience and it then gets us to our ultimate north star and certainly you hear us talk about a lot even even the employees they have families they have other people that are dependent on them yes and it's easy to forget that certainly when you're frustrated or things aren't going the way you like you forget that they have different levels of stress and different things going on and so it is important to understand what levers do I need to pull? When do I need to pull back? What is influencing? It's not always an operational project planning, laid it out, training problem. Yes. Um, in fact, a lot of times it's probably not that. Um, it may be the personality of the individual on the other side. It may be their personal life. It may be a lot of things. You didn't lay out a clear enough picture of why we're doing mm. this and how they're why. So, yeah. you know, I think as we go through this journey, we certainly spent some time in the first you know, podcast talking about why, why we're correct. Doing, yes. Um, yes. We have a lot of work to do there, which can go a lot deeper. And we will today. We wanted to lay out Helmwise and why the nautical theme and how the why becomes a North star. You have a destination, which is a 
a BHAG, a big, hairy, audacious goal. And that's, that's kind of where we're trying to go. Along the way, we'll encounter all kinds of weather and sea states. Certainly will. Um, you will hopefully, through our, our help and through these discussions, learn to upgrade the vessel you're on, upgrade the people that are on that vessel so that they can help you sail more efficiently, read the weather, understand where you started, where you're at now, where you're going, um, grow your leadership. Stay off the rocks. Stay off the rocks is a good one. Sure. Um, and, and certainly you're going to encounter close calls. That's mm-hmm. going to happen. Um, and so we're, I'm excited about it. And I think we'll try to bring in some folks as we break this down into more micro yes. segments to give yes. some examples of, you know, Scott and I will we'll drill them on their opinions on kind sure. of our long analogy slash metaphor of how this plays out um, so that you can follow along on the journey. So I'm excited about it. I am as well in the thought of bringing others on the podcast because every time that we speak with someone, doesn't matter what level of business they come from, what their role is, I always learn something. And that continuous learning has always been something that's motivated me. And so the thought that I could learn other things uh, from others is indeed motivating to me. And you know, I also think that if any of our listeners have challenges that they're going through, they're, they don't understand how to navigate a certain sea state or they see a problem with their ship and their business, you know, put, submit it to us and we'll talk about it here on the podcast and maybe get the perspective of a guest on how to solve that as well. Because we want to add value. It, you know, we can come on and listen to the podcast and, and say, okay, great, we've, we've done that. But if we're not providing value, then we're really not fulfilling the why of HelmWise which is to go out there and empower individuals to be successful, to grow professionally as well as personally in order to achieve success that is unparalleled. And that seems like a, a bit of a bold statement, unparalleled. But, hey, you've got to set a pretty high North Star and, and, and chart towards that course. So I'm looking forward to our, our conversations in the future. Well, I appreciate you having me. Enjoyed the conversation. It's always look great, forward Chandler. to the next one. I do as well. All right, good day, all. Thank you. We'll see you the next time on the podcast.